Welcome to Autonomous Unity on the Solidarity with Autonomy Network. This swan uh, stuttered there, but I'm not going to edit that out. Uh, this is, I believe, episode 43. This is part two of our Tradition 9 question and answer. I know we have uh, Eric from Nebraska and Bill from Pennsylvania on the line. Is there anybody else with us at the moment? We may have some stragglers come in as this proceeds. But uh, we're going to pick up where we left off last week with the questions, unless either one of you has some things you need to touch on first. Yeah, we're on traditions. We're on tradition seven. I mean, uh, not tradition seven, but uh, tradition nine, question seven. It says, how is the service structure as defined in the ninth tradition accountable to NA home groups and God as he may express himself in our NA home group conscience? that is basically it. It's, it's how the groups hold uh, the accountability of the ninth tradition. You know, it's what it should be, okay? You know, how do the groups hold it accountable? And, and how does God express himself in our NA home group conscience? Well, that goes back to the second tradition, where the groups have to hold what it creates accountable to them. You know, and that takes a vigilant, vigilant, uh, any members to be going over that accountability issues within the group and uh, talking about it and talking with other groups that are participating in any set uh, structure that they create, that they create that structure where there's accountable mechanisms already set in place. And why I say that is that's one thing we went over, and, um, and Chubbs can verify this here on how it worked. We went over that stuff as we set up the fellowship service conference. But basically, we wanted the fellowship service conference set up on the, the second, the fourth, the, the seventh, and ninth tradition had to be our foundation even before we started it off. That we had to get them issues resolved first, you know. And, and how yeah. this accountable, how, how this accountable structure would be set up was through home groups having only having the power there not any service body having power. And uh, that was took long discussions, long talking about it. And then um, I think it happened in 2014. Pretty sure that was the conference year when, uh, what's that beeping? That was just, uh, that was my car. Go ahead. Okay. But uh, the conference year, I'm pretty sure it was 2014, when a whole bunch of people showed up at the conference uh, that were crying about the uh, World Service Conference. And uh, in the meantime, they wanted to take over our conference at the same time. And they did it for a period of time throughout the conference where they actually moved me as the chairperson uh, for a day, okay? <laughs> uh, I got removed for Saturday as the chairperson. And... Uh, I was actually removed from the whole conference as chairperson and uh, from uh, Saturday through Sunday. And I come back on the floor and took my rightfully position then as the GSR of a home group, okay, uh, because Ray was representing two of our meetings there. So I took uh, my rightful position as the GSR then and brought it up Sunday morning uh, that if this is the GSRs to vote on and all this stuff that they had done up to this point uh, didn't come from groups and basically had no right even going back to the groups in a sense of proposals. 
that uh, they had done this on the conference floor and tried to control the conference, and then the groups voted uh, to restore the conference back to the conference, okay, and restore it back to the power of the groups, and that this, this stuff will be reported that what happened, but it was no proposals, no action to be taken on it. And the GSRs took the conference back over instead. And there were a lot of people upset that were there because they never had experience coming into a group consensory and its structure before. And uh, everything they were bitching about, they were trying to just reduplicate uh, the World Service Conference in that sense, where they were making decisions without it coming from groups not, um, and uh, trying to control the actions of where this body should be going. And uh, and so the accountability was set up by home groups to hold that body accountable, and the groups took that accountability and restored the accountability to the home groups is what they did there at that conference. And Chubbs can uh, share a little bit because he got a lot of the phone calls. He was not there but got a lot of the phone calls that was going on. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll touch on one thing. You were talking about the founding of the conference, and I want to be clear with people. Uh, anybody who's been listening to this podcast knows I was not uh, even clean when the founding of this conference took place, but I did study, and, and you can go online even to this day, I think, even with the new website and, and see those founding documents and what we're founded on. So I know that very well because uh, it's one thing that I looked into is uh, our home group made the decision to come into this this conference. But, uh, yeah, I will say, too, I, I think I know for a fact a lot of those people, uh, one of them was, was somebody who I was very close with, um, but uh, who since passed on, but a lot of those people were well-intentioned. Um, they wanted to make something happen, and, and they wanted to make something happen now. And, and some of them wanted to turn the clock back to what we had in, you know, 82 right in there. Um, and one of the things we've discussed um, a little bit on this podcast, but I know I've discussed with other addicts, is, is we, we made mistakes in the past that, that allowed our service structure to be taken from us. Um, but but there, was a, there was a lot of misunderstanding at that time with the, the – and even with myself when I first started really studying the traditions about how do these traditions really work and what applies to the groups and coming to this realization that the service structure, that, that these, these traditions before we get to eight and nine uh, – they're for the groups only. The, the service bodies don't collect the seventh tradition. They're they're dependent on the groups, and and uh, so there was a misunderstanding there. Because one of the phone calls I got, and again, these I think these were well-intentioned people who wanted what was best for NA, but but we were going to make the same same mistakes. And I, I, everybody I had contact with that weekend, regardless of, of anything that's happened since, I, I love all of those people. Um, but I remember one of the phone calls I got was, hey, they were quoting from the gray book, and when one person's opinion, uh, basically, I don't have the quote in front of me, but basically when one person's opinion dominates, we lose group conscience, and they weren't understanding that group conscience doesn't happen at the conference, that the, the conscience is carried in it. The person they were being critical of was actually in agreement with some of the motions they wanted to make. And I'm going to say it was Bill. Uh, it, it, Bill was in agreement with some of those motions on a personal level, but he did not have the power to act on behalf of his home group, even if he thought they were in his, his duty at, at first as the chair of the conference was to 
run the conference the way it was set up. And and when he was removed as chair um, and then came back as the GSR, his, his duty was to protect the conscience that his, his home group had sent him with and then make sure that uh, at least he voiced his group's opinion that hey, we don't, we're not going to vote on anything that didn't come from the groups, and and it was. I wanted to make that conference, but I didn't have the financial means. That was the very. And I'm almost positive it was 2014. Um, I think I learned a lot sitting outside of that conference. And one thing that <laughs> is kind of sinking in today was, I think, had I been there, I'd have, I, I would have been. Uh, I would have immersed myself in the battle at the time. And I know it wasn't necessarily a battle, but I think I would have been emotional and taking sides and, and not being there. It was a, it was, it was kind of beautiful to be able to sit back and, and look at this thing objectively and really see the traditions in action. But there, there's a couple things here going on. Uh, and one thing I, I, I really am realizing today, I really believe that the most important service work is at the home group level. And I don't think the GSR is the most important service position at the home group level, but I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe they're all the same. But once we get into a service structure, and this is what is really sinking in for me as we're talking, even right now, is when we're talking about a service structure that the groups have created, um, it is so important that that GSR understands group conscience and that that GSR has the courage uh, to stand up and say, no, I, I am not going to carry anything but my group's conscience. I'm not going to. We can have some very well-intentioned proposals or, or motions made that aren't coming from the home groups, but the minute we allow that to happen, we open the door to everything that happened in the past and the delegations of authority. Um, so I really think it's it's really important that the GSRs understand their their role that they that they practice uh, the anonymity that's required of that tr uh, tradition, uh, and then it's very important that the home groups hold those GSRs accountable. If a GSR goes to a conference and acts on behalf of the group, I think it's very important that the groups replace that GSR in a loving way and, and send a group conscience that, hey, whether we agree with this or not, we're not going to support motions not coming from a group and it might sound like a pain in the ass it might sound like um we're very extreme but i think one of the lessons we've learned over the years is there are certain things we don't compromise on and those are the principles that are found in the traditions uh and that we were just in our home group last night not even the business meeting in the actual home group itself uh reading um we had a newcomer and there were only there were three home group members and one newcomer there and it, we, so it was kind of a, we did the readings, but it was a very informal meeting where questions were being asked and answered, and and we're looking in the literature, and we we read a little bit out of the the second tradition uh, where it talked about um, in the gray book that authoritarian leadership, and I, again I don't have the exact quote, but it, it used the word authoritarian leadership, you know, really has no place in our home group, and and then uh, Today, some of the, the language we lost out of that ninth tradition uh, that was written, uh, and I believe it was it was Greg that wrote this. I'm almost 100% positive, that, where he talks about a loving a loving God would find no place in an administrative structure, and that original language in that great book just made so clear when we talk about 
the, the limited talking about leadership and tradition too, uh, that our, you know, uh, our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. The way that was expounded upon, it made very clear what a leader was in Narcotics Anonymous, and, and it's, it's nothing to do with, with authoritarian leadership or administrative structures. And I would just ask those of you listening, if you're a member of a home group that is not part of uh, the Fellowship Service Conference, or if there's something out there that operates the same way we're unaware of, if you're a member of the mainstream structure or any structure, uh, ask yourself, does, does, does our service structure use administrative positions and administrative leadership? Um, there are some administrative tasks that have to be dealt with, but is the leadership either authoritarian or administrative? And, and I think the answer is clear by the, the publications of the current mainstream or corporate service structure. Uh, it's very clear they will use those words all the time. Their administrative tasks, their administrative duties. Uh, you're, you're, I, I think it's the third concept without reading them because I don't bother to memorize those because they're irrelevant to me. But the the concept that talks about uh, effective leadership is highly valued in Narcotics Anonymous. No, trusted service is highly valued in Narcotics Anonymous. Anyway, that's uh, yeah, it, it was. A lot of people felt like that conference was ugly, and I know some people still carry resentments, but in the end, I felt like it was a beautiful thing, and if we were able to put the personalities aside and the wounds aside and I didn't get my way aside, I think it's a beautiful lesson that these groups can hold services accountable and can make sure that that uh, the, the leadership roles are really those of humble service. I don't even like to use the term leadership roles when we're talking about a structure at all. I think leadership is by example at the home group level and NA and everything else is, is trusted service. Any service position is service. The, the, the leadership is those who voluntarily it's, – it, leadership to me is when I call my sponsor and seek his experience, strength, and hope. I'm not asking for an authoritarian leadership or I, I'm asking for the experience, strength, hope, basically the wisdom of someone who's come before me. And and to me, that's that's where where it really lies, and it was – it was a beautiful thing, I think, what happened in 2014, even if, if the road to it got ugly at times and I wasn't there. Um, but every one of those since I have been to, and and even when there's little debates and conflicts on the conference floor, it always ends up being a beautiful thing in the end, and, and it's never gotten out of hand when I've been there personally. I know that for a fact. Uh, and I know now for sure it was 14, okay? Because yeah. uh, at the end of the conference... Guido got elected chair, and I got elected as co-chair. In 15, I was I had to chair the conference because Guido didn't show up. And then I got elected chair, and you got elected co-chair in 15. 16, I, I, I was the chair. You were the co-chair. 17, you became uh, the chair. Okay. In, six, in 16, I was the chair because um, you had already been serving for two years. I remember they uh, – uh, someone had tried to nominate me for chair, and and I said, look, I I don't feel prepared to to serve in this position. So they had me do the co-chair, which would normally be two years, but because you'd already been chair for so long, you handed off to me in in uh, I handed 16. it off you in the middle of it. Okay. I uh, I oh no, you're right, down. you're right. I'm, I have my years wrong. I have my years wrong because I, I did 17 yeah. and 18. Yeah. I yeah. stepped down at the, at the, after old business, if you remember, and turned it over to you yeah. in 16. That's right. So we I actually both shared the conference. 
we both actually chaired the conference in 16, okay? Yeah, for some reason I was thinking 17 and 18, like 18 was coming up. It's 19 that's coming up. And actually, Eric, um, because of my health at the at this year's conference, 2018, uh, Eric actually probably chaired the majority of that, at least a good half of it uh, as the co-chair. But that's uh, how the conference uh, – that's because that's now I know exactly it was 14, and uh, what they were upset because I won't allow these uh, proposals to take action be put on the floor. First of all, they didn't have home groups to start with, okay, to put these proposals on the floor, and they wanted the, the conference to take action. There, they want the conference to make decisions, and they argued the point of view that the conference should be making these decisions, not the groups. That, uh, and that's when they removed me as chair and elected uh, a person at his first conference as chair with that, that didn't have a home group, okay, that belonged to the conference to start with, okay. They, they put him in chair, and then they start taking actions. And they wanted the conference to make them decisions, and they argued that point of view. And then Sunday morning, I brought that back up as GSR. It's real great and well what they did here. However, none of it came from the groups. And uh, without it coming from the groups, we don't have the right to be making these decisions. And isn't that, you know, the, the action that this conference was set up by aren't the rules of order that it has to come from a group. We take no action unless it comes from groups, and we are only directed by groups, and then the GSR has upheld that. And that's where the anger set in because they felt their whole time was wasted. When it really wasn't wasted, it was, it was, a, it was a great conference, even though you had these personality conflicts that happened in it. It, it, it showed how the groups hold its conference accountable from that action ever being taken. You know, and there were some good things, and some of them things are emerging today, okay, from from that. I mean, uh, but it's coming from groups instead, and it, we have a, a time frame that we set up to slow down the conference, uh, basically, basically for the conference, okay, not to be run uh, amok and allow that administrative structure to take hold. And what you were reading, what you were talking about, okay, even with this tradition, organizations such as this would be in opposition to our spiritual principles. A loving goddess may express himself in our group conscience would find no place within the administrative structure. How could a trusted servant manage and control Service and management are contradictory. Government implies control, but our traditions do not govern. How could autonomy exist in an administrative structure? Specialization and professionalism are the basis of any management scheme. Any administrative structure, by its very nature, eliminated the possibility of autonomy. An organized NA is in contradiction in terms of attempt to force organizations on would, would on us would destroy us, and that is uh, line 21 to line 23. I mean 33 on um, page 111 in the Gray Book, and that Greg did write that. Okay, uh, you know, but it it just shows you that the minute that tries to take a hold, it 
it's contradictory to everything we do and the spirituality of the of the conscience of the groups through God are not expressed then. And that causes division within the fellowship when that happens. And the fellowship is totally in division right now of a power struggle in the knowledge and corporate world taking over the fellowship. And here, in, in our conference, it, it basically allowed the expression of groups to be heard instead. And that's the importance of it is you need to set up mechanisms that actually are put in place to stop administrative control to happen, that the groups hold that accountable immediately, and that GSRs, and even if we, even if you're, uh, if you're sending one representative to uh, carry, uh, say, eight group consciences there, they have to separate each conscience, but they have the responsibility for them eight groups and to hold that structure accountable to them groups. And that's what we need to recognize, that it's, that it's your representatives that you elect to represent you at this conference have to fulfill the traditions and uphold a conference accountable in, in any action that the conference don't have that right to take action without the groups directing it. Yeah. Eric, I know we did a long answer to that question, and I think it was very warranted, but was there anything else you wanted to add there, brother? Well, you know, I, I just, uh, I'm very grateful for the things that have happened before. You know, I've heard these things, and uh, it actually gave me hope when I heard these things, because those were things I've seen in our in the area that I live in, um, where a lot of things don't go back to the groups and a lot of things are set up that, to me, I always knew they were outside of our traditions. And I was like, why is this going on? And uh, to have services that actually believe in following the traditions exactly as they're written with no compromise, that gives me hope. That gives me hope that we actually have a chance to keep our fellowship alive the way it's supposed to be. And uh, um, so, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I did, uh, um, I, I want to find where those uh, founding papers are. I think I may have already seen them, but I, I, after the podcast, I'll have to uh, talk with you guys and see if I, if, if it's what I'm thinking they are. So but that's all yeah, I, I I know, I know they're on the old website, and I'm 99% certain they're on the, the redesigned website. Because um, I was the one who <laughs> inadvertently redesigned it, but uh, yeah, it, it, it wasn't the actual minutes, but it was what came out of that. And here's what this conference is based on. It, I believe it. It either referenced the second edition or the approval draft. It might have referenced both, but it talked specifically about traditions two, four, seven, and nine, and the direct accountability to the groups, um, and it really lays it out very very nicely and very solidly they this is this is what this conference is and and this will not change without the consent of the groups yeah and i i know our home group conscience at current is i'm not speaking out of hand here we have taken a conscience on this if if the fellowship service conference ever went away from that we would immediately withdraw it would the, and either not be a member of a service conference or or find one or start one that, that is founded on those those principles so it, it's uh, it's I'm grateful to the people who came and and did that. That again, I don't think any of them was malicious. They were all people trying to do the right thing. I don't think they were doing the right thing. Um, but 
they weren't trying to destroy this service conference. They thought it was ineffective, and they thought it wasn't running fast enough. And, and in my opinion, they, they didn't understand the full history of what got us where we were in the main service. But I am so grateful to them because they they tested. They tested the way this thing is set up, and it still wouldn't have held without GSRs that, that in the end – made the right decision and, and reversed their previous decision to allow everybody to vote and to allow motions to come to the floor that didn't come from home groups. Uh, and, and I don't like to talk a lot about individual credit, but um, I'm just going to put it bluntly. Um, my man Bill here, and he knows this, he he has a much less abrasive personality than he used to, but he has an abrasive personality at times, and people make fucking assumptions about this guy. This is one of the most humble people I know, and and, and without a doubt, and I know things about his service history um, that most people don't know and, and the service he's done, and I'm not going to put it out there because I know he doesn't want it out there, but a lot of the stuff I've run across, hey, how come you never told me this? Because you never asked. And And, and what one of the things from my perspective that happened that weekend was this man stepped away from the conference, collected himself, said, I don't want to act in anger, went, did some prayer and meditation, and then came back on Sunday morning and 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 calmly said, here's here's the way this conference was basically laid out the case to the GSR of the, the spiritual nature of the conference. And, again, I wasn't there to see it, but I'm, I'm on the outside getting phone calls from everybody and not just Bill. I'm getting phone calls from people on the other side. And, uh, and uh, it, it was one of these things where, because Bill exercised anonymity and some humility, it's maybe a little bit of a contradiction in terms there to say his name and, and then talk about anonymity, but he, he practiced some humility and stepped away from that conference. And, and I know he asked God, help me, help me approach this in the right manner and was able to come back and speak in a way that the GSRs would listen and, and not act on uh, emotion or or what 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 might seem logical at the time to yeah let's make some shit happen and because of that we have a conference today because people practice humility um and and this one person in particular stepped away and 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 said god and i say god because i know that's what he used if you're more comfortable with higher power greater power whatever you want to call it guide me in this help me know what to do and and then to release you know kind of detach myself from the outcome you know, basically, how how do I be a servant of your will here, and how do I communicate effectively? And I remember that call, and, and I remember the the. And I'm sorry, Bill, if I'm putting too much of your business out there, and if I am, tell me, and we'll edit it. But just the difference in in the tone of voice, I could hear the stress uh, and the anguish in, in in your voice when you called me prior to leaving that conference, and and when you made that decision to go back, there was just so much calm and serenity in your voice, and it was like. Yeah, everything was going to be all right. And then when that when the GSRs made the right decision, it, I'm so grateful to the people who tested that because it 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 gave us a found it it, it showed us that this can work. And and I, I don't hold resentment to those people at all. I'm grateful they did it because it made the conference stronger as far as group conscience goes. And those people are always welcome back at that conference. I know that for a fact. Well, it's it's so important as a trusted servants, okay, that when groups trust us, that we carry out their conscience and not our own. You know, and uh, it's something I fought at the World Service Conference floor for years when I was there from 80, from 84 to 89, 
that as as a responsible uh, RSR, my responsibility was to every addict within the Mid-Atlantic region to carry the conscience of their groups, that I was not there to be a trusted servant and be entrusted to make decisions for them that they haven't sent me there to do. If it's something new, they should hear it and it should go back to them to be able to make decisions. That don't trust me to think I'm going to know what all of you think without talking with you first because you were my eyes and ears and that's why we created this conference to, to be able to not have to keep trying to change something that it's a constant fight and it causes division when you fight at a conference level like that there and you don't have spiritual solutions and you don't listen to the groups and uh, we are where we are at today at the at the World Service Conference because of that not listening. And the more they don't listen, the more they go away, the more groups are saying, hey, I don't even want to be involved in this stuff. I just talked to the GSR from another group, and he said, I really don't understand what the hell they're even talking about. Our group don't even want to participate in this here. And I, and I showed him our web page. He says, that sounds like a great alternative. And I showed him our new literature we're working on. They said, wow, we'd like to work on that. You know, we need new stuff that's fresh from the groups by membership, written by addicts for addicts. I just spent like a, an hour and a half, two hours with two addicts that aren't part of our area here, but they're in the old area. And they said, man, that, that's, that's solutions for us. So, uh, you know, they said they're going to come to my celebration, pick up the new stuff off our table, and take it back to their groups. You know, they they said, that's what we need. You know, and the one guy said, I remember the days when we used to participate together like that years ago, and we don't do that no more. And there's something missing. And uh, it's like Eric sharing, there's something missing here. And what's missing is the accountability and allowing uh, your structure to be driven by the groups and not by personality that strong personalities that think they have the answer when really we don't till we sit back in our groups and sit there through prayer or meditation together, you know, uh, through a group conscience, inviting God into our groups to be able to make the decisions for us to be able to move forward. And I think that's how we hold it accountable is by us together making decisions, not single members making decisions for us. So yeah, I, I, I want to be oh, – sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. I, I just want to be clear because there is a lot, of, uh, a, a lot of confusion when people say, well, shouldn't we trust our trusted servants? And, and we've kind of made fun of that line before, but I want to be – because what Bill is saying really touched on it. A trusted servant is not trusted to go make decisions for you. It, it doesn't say we should delegate to our delegates. It says we, we have trusted servants and, and – Trust is implied, but you you are electing somebody that you trust to carry that group's conscience and not not overstep their. I've always, ever since I realized this, I've always said if there's ever a question on what a tradition means, just go to tradition twelve and where's the anonymity. Uh, if if a if a trusted servant is practicing an anonymity, they are not 
seeing the bigger, broader picture and acting on what they think is, is best for NA as a whole or best for their home group without that group's conscience. And, and the home group, if they're practicing anonymity, it's not an opinion session. It's a prayer and meditation session. It's a collective 11th step or a collective third step. If you don't understand an 11th step yet, and if you're not to the third step, then just grab a, somebody who is by the coattails and, and and do the best you can and try and remove your ego when you're participating in these group conscience processes. But that is the key there. It's a lot like a marriage. Uh, you're not trusted by your spouse to do what you think is best for the marriage. And I'll be very blunt. I, you don't go out, it's my decision whether I'm going to put my dick in this other person. No, your spouse trusts you to honor the vows that you took. And we made vows to our home groups to carry that conscience and to honor group conscience, and that's what we're trusted to do. We're not trusted to overstep those bounds or to make decisions on our own. We operate on group conscience. Hell, we talk about all the time in our meetings, my best thinking got me here. Well, why the fuck is my best thinking going to be what's best for NA because I have a service position and in, in a, in a service resume all of a sudden? It's not. We operate in group conscience. Our steps are based on turning our will and our lives over to the care of a loving God as, as we understand that God to be, and that comes to fruition in the 11th step. And then as a result of those steps, we practice these principles in all our affairs and carry this message to other addicts and, and really start to apply these to the traditions. And it, it, it's very much about not running on self-will. So how do we run on self-will in a service structure when we don't do it in our personal lives and, and we shouldn't be doing it at the home group level? It makes no sense when we talk about trust our trusted servants when we're talking about delegation. And, and I, I just want to be very clear on that because there is some debate on that and, and some justified debate, but when you really delve into the traditions and our spiritual principles and the steps and the traditions, it's clear. We as individuals should not make, be making decisions on, on anything for a group of people if we can't do it for ourselves. Holy shit. Anyway, there's there's my soapbox. <laughs> well, that's good. Okay, so we'll move on to question eight. How does NA as such create service boards or service committees? How does NA as such create service boards or com service committees? Well, the groups is what we're talking about NA as such, okay, first of all. And it's the groups that create them, and they do that, and they do that through conscience of creating something where they got to come together and set something up outside the group conscience to do the service, actually, to coordinate the services that the groups direct them to do. It happens at the group level. And it's uh, just like right now we're talking about setting up uh, something similar that started as uh, – one area of Narcotics Anonymous in the state of Pennsylvania that ended up being uh, turning into the Mid-Atlantic region, okay, from uh, Virginia Beach to Maine. We're in the process of setting, communicating with groups because we want to hold a literature conference, okay, and we don't feel we have enough membership, okay, in one group, our, our home group. So our home group is reaching out to other groups that are uh, one group in New York, one in Philadelphia, uh, you know, the new group starting up in, 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 in uh, New Jersey, the other group that's in South Jersey, and uh, even talked with a group in Ohio about the possibility of, of helping us host a literature conference in the spring, okay, uh, to work on uh, the grade book reflections and uh, some of the IPs before we come to the, to the service conference, okay. Uh, the, the 
we can uh, pass out the Great Book Reflection Book there for groups to take back as an input review piece, okay? Uh, that's been through a conference before time, okay? And uh, hopefully we can get a place that we can set up some uh, 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 Skype where other groups can around the world can, you know, send their input into it that we can get input from other groups and uh, go over it with them and have a book completed that will be out for input and review, okay? All right. Uh, to get this book moving ahead, you know, and, uh, but we're going to reach out to other groups to work together, and that's what our group conference decided that we should do is reach out to other groups and see about hosting this conference. So we have reached out, and there are groups that are willing, so now we need to figure out uh, this is going to be set up from representation from all the groups on how we should get this conference set up, where should we put it, how should we uh, the agenda be to get it off the ground. And, and that will be held accountable to the home groups that are participating this year that when the book comes back, okay, it's been a joint effort by the groups instead. And that's what we're looking forward to doing, okay, and that's at the group level we're creating this year, service body to coordinate the conference for us. You know, and, uh, and that starts at the group level, and we're asking them to conscience in their groups to participate in this. And that's going to be like the old um, area when they reached out to other groups, other areas to set up the old Mid-Atlantic region, okay, that we had a need to communicate. Well, we have a need to communicate, and that's, um, and we're going to communicate with Tom, who's our literature coordinator for the conference, and invite him to the conference, and hopefully his home group will also get involved in it, okay? So that will be if we have one, two, uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven groups that will host this conference together, okay, is what we're looking to be, okay? You know, and by, by that we should get 40, 50 people participating in the conference that way. You know, and uh, we're hopefully going to be able to do it at the end of April, beginning of May sometime, so we can have the book uh, uh, retype set and uh, all the input in it uh, and have the material we have in two different books. So one is what it was like before we went to the conference, and the other is the input part that come back from the conference, okay, so everyone can have them sent out of the conference to their groups. But that's being set up through group conscience, so that's uh, how we do that, okay? Yeah, and, and again, the person who wrote, if they're looking for, here's the way you do it, some sort of a service manual, that this is the way it has to be, there's, there's not. Your home, your home groups can set up any service structure they want, but you're going to lose your power. If you, you're going to lose the spiritual nature of the power that the groups hold if you do not make the services directly accountable. And, and even Greg, who wrote our, our the vast, vast majority of what made it into our traditions uh, in, in any version of the basic text, um, and a lot of stuff that didn't make it in, it, it, even he, when they were writing these concepts, which it, he actually participated in, and, and I, I didn't agree with that decision, but he got some things removed that would have made those even worse than they already are. <laughs> but at the same time, during that process, he, in the minutes, he actually says, look, we're already not directly accountable, and he referenced the way money is handled about how groups donate to, to areas blindly and areas donate. He said, you know, areas should be directly financing the services they want 
at every level, and we're already not directly accountable. And that it, it, as long as you're holding your services directly accountable to the home groups with the indirect accountability, we've learned the hard way doesn't work. You get what we have today, and there is a huge division in NA. And, it, you know, on the outside looking in, it looks like, oh, most of the groups support this knowledge structure. They really don't. Anytime I've, I've gotten participating in any sort of area where any part of the country I have been, the groups feel cut off. And the SSP was a perfect example. Uh, it didn't pass. That thing would have passed if these groups liked what Nas was doing. They didn't. They could not get a any sort of a majority. They needed to pass even one of those three motions that were all dependent on each other that would have caused the other two to be necessary. It was a, a, a very insidious ploy that, that came out of a, a book that was written by somebody who's an, a, a consultant for the office, uh, a book called Beyond Membership Marketing. And, and you know, it talked about if, if, if your organization isn't accepting then, then of a proposal, break it up into multiple proposals that, that are dependent on each other so that if one passes, the others become necessary. And, and even at, with that, the SSP did not pass with all the tricks they played you have a service structure where the authority is delegated. I watched in the area where we live a couple years ago. Um, the, the groups in this area all voted no or abstained on the approval of that pseudo-traditions book, yet when uh, the RCM went to region, they, they exercised their delegated authority and, and cast the vote opposite of what the area had done. And uh, the system is set up so that they're going to get, even with the system being rigged, they still could not get the SSP to pass. And if that's not an indication of how many groups are dissatisfied, I don't know what is. Um, they don't, the groups have no voice other than, than the fellowship service conference and maybe some other alternative outlets. Um, and it, you know, the best voice they have that I have seen is at the Fellowship Service Conference. So there, there is a huge thirst and a huge hunger and a need for this, but what I see as I, I visit other areas is they still want to try and participate through this rigged system. They still want to try and take this system back, and there's still this delusion that the services are part of N.A. because that's what people were taught coming in, and they feel like they're going against N.A. if they leave that service structure, even though they don't agree with it. But there is a, a huge... And it's a credit to the groups in the fellowship that we're not all just fighting and killing each other. But there is a huge division on what services should look like. It's just that there is no power in that administrative structure. There's no voice for the actual home groups to have on that conference floor. And there never will be. Well, that's uh, the greatest example of that, okay, what you're talking about there with that conference is look at uh, the, the resume of Lee Manchester, where he says, instead of reading it, that the groups are saying, this book itself, it works how and why, okay, it's not what we want, okay? We want to participate in the writing of the book. The fellowship is crying out for participating in it, and instead he writes, well, it took you know, 10 years of failure of not getting this book out. I did it in such a period of time. I did it. All right, and that it works yeah. and how it's my book, and we got it approved. Well, they got it approved without groups uh, approving it. They got it approved by representatives approving it instead at the conference level, okay, where the group rejected yeah. it for 10 years, and all of a sudden he got it approved. 
his resume tells you yeah, that. But what year was that approved, Bill, the It Works How and Why? Around uh, in the early 90s, okay? Yeah, so, and, and I, I don't know the exact year, but this is my point. That was approved at the time that the concepts were being foisted upon the fellowship. And well, that was either the, 92, 93, okay? Yeah. So you had these concepts that made it possible. It wasn't that it was a superior book, and it wasn't. It wasn't 10 years of failure. It was 10 years of the fellowship rejecting what the office had written and the office refusing to accept what the fellowship was writing. That was, it wasn't 10 years of, of, of a failure to write a book. It was, it was 10 years of, of basically group conscience versus administrative structure. And in the end, they found a way to, for the administrative structure to win out. And that eventually became the culture in this service structure of NA. Well, that's the, the real issue there is because the groups uh, the groups never created the World Service Conference. That was done at an actual conference that they held at a world convention where they created that, okay? It yeah. was done at a, comp, at a convention where they decided to have a World Service Conference, okay, of Northern, and then it was Northern California and Southern California decided that they're setting up a, a World Service Conference and without Greg being there, okay, uh, you want to have these ideals that came out of of uh, the, the NA3 even being put in there, but they gave Greg the responsibility of writing the NA3, our service structure. But uh, to yeah. get it through, to get it through, there's stuff in there that allowed the conference to spiral out of control. Okay, all right. And then Greg kept involved, thinking that we could uh, change that stuff to get it back to the groups. And as the groups would grow, the groups would take control of that conference instead. But yeah. uh, when you had, uh, you know, the things that happened throughout uh, the time, okay, it, it created this, this, these issues, okay, that we're going through today at that conference level where it's just spiraled and kept spiraling and you've got administrative structure from Nausing Corporate, World Service Office in Corporate, uh, because your executive director of the office has veto power over the corporation, the other corporation, which is Nausing Corporate, he has veto power. He also has a lifelong contract that he created that you can't get rid of him. Uh, that he got the board to approve that lifelong contract, okay? But he has veto power over that board, which is totally uh, against what what I read out of the out of the great book there. Okay, it set up an administrative structure that controls a fellowship, and the fellowship is not controlled by its group conscience. Uh, so you have a a uh, uh, administrative structure with a fellowship instead of a a a with uh, a fellowship with a structure that's accountable to them. And that's every action when we take, when it's how it's a service, I mean, how does NAS create a service board or service committee? You have to set that in place where the accountability can be held before you move forward. And that's what we did at the fellowship service conference is we set that in place before we move forward. That these are the first issues and that's what the groups, when they came together, the first conference decided. And it wasn't really our first conference, but the first conference of getting the conference back together, okay, uh, from right. the mid-'90s uh, up to about 96 was our last conference. We used to call them pure traditional gatherings as is, okay. Uh, 
and when we restarted it in 07, okay, we uh, got back together and we said the first issue we got to resolve is the issues of how the groups are going to set up this, this conference, how this conference is going to operate, and how are we going to hold it accountable to us as the groups. And that's why it took a while for the groups to set this in, up in place. And they set it up in place that would slow the conference down instead to be able to hold the conference accountable that they set up to serve them, you know, that the groups yeah. would be the voice there. And that's why it was set up that way, and the groups created that. And it was started from one home group who was part of the original uh, as-is, Peer Traditionalist Gathering stuff, which started that to start with was from the same group in Allentown, okay, started this, got uh, sent letters out to the groups and said, hey, we're going to meet at Cedar Church, any groups that want to get involved, okay, we're here. We're going to see if there's any interest is how we did it, okay. And then, uh, yeah. so we met, and ten groups showed up. And out of the ten wow. groups, five are the originator groups then that started this off again, okay. And, and uh, you know, that happened in 06. 07 is when we had our first conference in Cedar Church then, of the actual as-is conference, okay, we called it. Uh, you know, Pure Traditionalist Gathering. We kept that name for a while before we dropped Pure Traditionalist Gathering. Uh, you know, uh, we transferred it over to uh, the Fellowship Service Conference, and instead of as is, it was transferred over to the name of the conference would be the Fellowship Service Conference, and that came directly from the groups. Uh, yeah. As is would, would, would be put down the subline, but it is still as is. The structure's as is, but the conference is not. The conference is the Fellowship Service Conference. Let's name it for who it serves instead. You know, and, uh, yeah. and, and who holds it accountable is the groups. But that started at the group level. It did not start at any administrative structure or any idealism from some uh, groups, uh, members that were separate from a group. It started at, through group conscience, and, and started at Friday night at the historical perspective group. And we talked about in the recovery first group, we talked about the better and late. And uh, there has to be other groups out there like us that are seeking this, okay, let's send this out, mass mailing, mass emailing to see who would be interested in 10 groups showed up. You know, and uh, a few of the groups were involved from before showed up and said, yeah, let's, we want to do this thing. Now, what are going to be our premises? And the first thing was the second, the fourth, uh, and the ninth tradition, then the next year was the seventh tradition, okay? We have to be accountable. It has to be based on the group's funding that's not, and uh, not by, uh, uh, a service structure having a way to create funds. And that was passed through proposals into motions that got approved at the conference floor and by the groups. Come directly from the groups, so not from any and that's how you set up your service when you say here in this in this question, uh, you know, how are they created, okay? Well they're created uh how does NA as such create service boards or commit service committees? They're, they're, they're actually created by the home groups through conscience. The conscience says this is the need we have, and we want the need to communicate, and that's why the service conference basically set up for communication purposes from the groups around the world that want to communicate together, and they come there and they communicate their their wants, their desires, and what they like to see happen, and then they're put in proposals. That's why when they first leave the conference, the groups bring proposals. The motions are formulated by the by January now is the new thing we come up with that they have to be formulated by and then they're sent out from January to June to be conscienced. Then it comes back 
and then we could do the process. The first year is it's a hundred percent vote, the second year it's an eighty percent vote. Then. But it, it's actually yeah. slowing it down again to hear the groups, to hear their if there is a dissenting voice. What is it about? Uh, let's look it over. Let's see if it can be worked in. Let's see, you know, how we can hold this here, and uh, use each other to get your eyes and ears in the fellowship. Okay, that's what we're here for. Let's not push things through fastly. Let's slow it down. Let's consider everybody's viewpoint, and it should be tradition based on these viewpoints. You know, and that's why it's you know eighty percent because eighty percent is still a, a conscience that we can fulfill. And uh, it's not that we're overrunning the, the 20%. Uh, you know, it's just, hey, what's, what's, what's the ideal here? What's the tradition that you see that this may not fulfill? How is it not accountable to the groups by, by passing this motion? Okay, and then let the groups revisit it is what it does. And that's the exciting part of what we're doing through group conscience by groups setting this up to take action for the, in, in the name of the groups that it takes action. So it's it's a great thing. So I think we we've answered this question now. Yeah. So number nine, how are service boards and committees autonomous or not? And that's a simple. They're not autonomous. The only thing that's autonomous is the groups, which we went over that in the fourth tradition. The autonomous of home groups. Only home groups have autonomy. Service boards and committees are not autonomous from them home groups that set it up. They are accountable instead. And we just went over the accountability of it. How it's held accountable is through the groups. And the mechanism has to be set up by the groups on how that committee operates. There is no autonomy in that home group, in that their committee or that service body that's set up. I, I don't think, uh, I don't know what else to add to that. No, I don't either. Anything you got to add, I, Eric? I, I, no, it's pretty simple. I mean, they're they're not autonomous. So. You know, it's this simple. A service body can't be autonomous and accountable to the groups at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I, don't, I, I think it's, it's very explanatory. It's no, real simple. They're not autonomous. Uh, what's happened at the World Service Conference, they are operating autonomously. They're trying to set up autonomy in every structure instead, okay, is what they're trying to do. And that's a good example of looking at and say, hold it. You see what this creates? It creates uh, it creates disunity by doing this, by allowing them to have autonomous bodies. Like their conventions are all autonomous from because they incorporate them. They're totally autonomous from the actual groups that set them up originally. And you can look at that there. What happens when you allow bodies like that to have an autonomous body? And and throughout uh, NA, you see that happening all over. You see it happen with the World Service Office, granting the rights to outside uh, businesses to actually ride and sell our name, okay, which is happening. Um, and there's a clothing company outside of Pittsburgh that's marketing our NA logo on their, on their clothing line, you know, to NAers, okay? Totally autonomous is that World Service Office from the fellowship. And what was it doing? It's, it shouldn't be. And that's what we need to avoid as we move forward, that we don't allow the Fellowship Service Conference, the European Fellowship Service Conference. Uh, the English groups are in the process of setting up a service conference for the English group to participate in, to be, a, you know, to be exercised through the European Fellowship Service Conference and participate there, okay? Uh, 
but they're in the process of setting up, and it's more like uh, an area, a large area of England coming together, and uh, they're discussing right now on how to set up a service body for them to participate in, okay? Uh, so that's like kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of neat stuff that's going on, uh, you know, with them, that they are actually looking at it and, uh, you know, setting that up. And it has to be set up on the same basis that it doesn't have, an, that it's not an autonomous body that they're setting up. You know, and, and uh, it's kind of neat stuff that's happening out there right now, you know, what's going on. You know, and, uh, yeah, we have to look at that as we set these, that these new bodies are being set up, and that got set up because they came to the European Fellowship Service Conference and said that we need a similar thing in England for the English groups to communicate, you know, uh, in between conferences, okay, in between the European Fellowship Service Conference. And now they, they, they finally, a couple of the groups that I've been reporting, the English report for I don't know how many years, okay, since the, the conception of the conference, I brought the, you know, the two, the two uh, groups of uh, existence that we had over in England, and they've been part of our conference, even though they've only attended two times. Okay, they had a representative there two times before, and that was a guy named Paul that passed away. Okay, was there twice at our conference representing the groups from there, and uh, so now they recognized they are part of the greater whole now. When they went to the European Fellowship Service Conference this year, they went back excited and said, we need to get involved in these things. We need to be involved in the Fellowship Service Conference. We need to be involved in the European Fellowship Service Conference, and we need something like this in England now. So they're taking it back to their groups, and their groups are discussing it. They're going to conscience it, and they're going to set up a service day just to communicate together, okay? So that's exciting, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, just exciting stuff, okay? All right? Yeah. So, that's the stuff that's we got to participate in, okay? Yeah. So, what's next up on the questions list here? Uh, next list is... Uh, uh, how do we as home groups stay unorganized? <laughs> uh, and that's where you got to define what it is to be organized, okay? And I think that what I've read about it is, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's basically, uh, uh, you know, uh, in a minute, we we cannot be organized as a sense as a administrative structure. Okay, all right. When it says, "How do we stay unorganized?" There is it's like Greg wrote. There is some organization, you know, a uniformity in the writing of our steps and traditions. Okay, but that's not what we're talking about when we're when we're talking about organized. Okay, we do have group conscience. We do set them up. Uh, groups make decisions how to set them up, when to set them up, okay, how, where they communicate at. And that's what it is, where they communicate at. And they have to make sure that they're not setting up an administrative structure that's away from the groups, that the group's totally directed, okay? All right? Uh, and that's where we have to be so uh, 
I don't know the proper word, but it's vigilant. We have to be vigilant and keep going over it that we don't set up an administrative structure, okay? That's where we have administrators making decisions for us, and that's what this tradition basically was talking about when we're talking about organized, that we don't set up an administrative structure itself, okay? You know, we don't want to do that, okay, uh, in any form, okay? Uh, and that's what we got to avoid is not doing that, okay? All right. Uh, yeah, and it, it takes a lot of work and vigilance and group conscience not to do that. I mean, yes, you need time and place for a meeting that you're having a regular narcotics anonymous. It has to be started. You know, we don't have a time limit Friday night at our meeting, but some meetings have a starting time and a closing time. And if you're going to do that, you have, you know, I I truly believe you have to stay flexible with your closing time at times if there's a need of addicts. Okay. Our group always, when we did have a closing time, we, we always had an announcement at the end. If anyone didn't get a chance to share or feels like using tonight, please share it now. We have the time for that, okay, for people who want help. We're not going to close the meeting down just because we have a closing time, okay? And that's where we take the organization away and keep the flexibility in there that let's move with the spirit of what's going on in the meeting instead. All right? So uh, that's yeah, how that, we do that, okay? That tradition, it actually starts out by saying N.A. as such. They could have, I think, just as easily said N.A. as a whole or all of the home groups used any of that terminology. It all means the same thing. It, it, it is. It's a specific uh, protection against organized administrative structures. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to the home group level, but it doesn't mean your home group has no organization at all. It means that we don't exercise authoritarian leadership anywhere and that these groups are not it's where i believe that the saying that used to be used to hear it all the time when i came in it used to be in a lot of uh groups formats they'd say no one speaks for na period right. there was no no one speaks for na and that came from na as such na as a whole or all of the groups uh ought never be organized there is no mechanism for someone to speak for na as a whole even even with our our literature we have a basic text. We have literature that actually was genuinely approved uh, by the groups uh, on some level, even though in our history it's always been somewhat indirectly outside. Now the Fellowship Service Conference approves literature directly, but that that literature does not still speak for NA as a whole because there are home groups. Uh, the, the sixth edition does not speak for the home group that I belong to. So even when we approve literature, it does not speak for NA as a whole. Each group still has its own autonomy. There is, there, and it, it, talking about NA as such, it doesn't mean you can have no organization or, or no rhyme or reason within your home group. It, it means that we have no administrative structures for NA as a whole, and it, it and that we never be pigeonholed into anything. It protects all those traditions. We can never be pigeonholed into an outside opinion or or any type of endorsement. Because even if one group screws up and does that or an area screws up and does that, it, there is no NA as a whole, and there's no way to force anything on, on any other groups. Well, that's where right now, as the administrative structure, okay, of Narcotics Anonymous, okay, as NAWS Incorporate, World Service Office Incorporate, the World Service Conference, okay, uh, you know, sending the messages out that they do that, the groups that we all participate in, we are using the legal illicit literature according to them, okay? Yeah. It's a literature that we choose to uh, 
it's kind of comical because they're saying they can bundle literature together, but we couldn't bundle the, the you know, the fourth and ninth tradition into the third edition revised, okay? All right. We couldn't yeah. choose the parts that we liked and put them together as our book instead. That we don't got the right to do that, but they got the right at the board of directors to, to bundle literature together and use it together and approve it that way. But we don't have that right as groups, so they're taking, you know, that away from us is what they're doing, and they're causing a disunity within the fellowship. Uh, it's just like I was explaining to you, someone was asking me last night about a, a guy's name, okay, and I uh, wanted to use this person as a, and didn't know him and stuff, okay, but someone else brought his name up, and I says, you know, that guy don't believe in what we're doing, okay? And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, uh, he shared at a, at a history day with me, okay, and and then we set another history day up, and I asked him to come there and uh, and participate with us, okay? And he chose not to participate with us instead, and said, and the reason was because that's a gray book meeting, and that's not NA. I'm not going to participate in something that's not Narcotics Anonymous, and that group is hosting this this history day. And I'm looking at him like, well, you helped us write the gray book, okay? You were at the conference when we wrote the gray book, okay? You know the gray book was input review process. You know it came from a collection of addicts' writings from around the whole world. Uh, You know it came from the first world lit, the second world lit, and and come to realization that the third world lit, okay? And you know that's where our basic texts come from. So how is this group outside of our traditions by studying a historical document. And he just got real, like, uh, stern and looked at me and said, but you know it's not Narcotics Anonymous. We never approved it. I said, well, this group approved using it for studying historical documents, and why shouldn't they have the right to relive that process of the Memphis Miracle, which we call it, the conference, where the, the great book come out of, in the collection of all us participating together, why shouldn't they be able to study that document and study what we wrote and choose what they want to use out of that within their group structure? Aren't we violating their autonomy? And he just refused and wouldn't show up. And I says, you know, and now he's uh, uh, being flown around the world to conventions and stuff to speak on our history instead of the basic text. I says, you know, be aware. And I'm not telling the guy to not talk with the guy. I said, beware. I'll give you his phone number. If you want to communicate, I'll, if you want to communicate through Facebook, I'll tell you his name. He goes under there, okay? I said, but I want you aware of that if you're going to have him there, that you might have to be understand that he's going to go directly against what your group is doing and what you're saying to people, you know? So have that awareness before you get involved but I'm willing to give you all the information because I don't believe in exclusionary, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, what you're thinking about and how you're feeling and what you think this guy has to offer you, be aware of it. That's all as you go into this here. And, uh, you know, and, and be honest with them that that's what your group studies is, the grade book and other historical documents, you know. Uh, but, uh, about that. oh, go ahead, sorry. Uh, you know, we have to be aware of, of, of issues like this here. When you brought this issue up, you know, we do approve stuff, but it's not the conference approving it. It's the groups of the conference approving it, first of all, okay? 
Uh, ours right. is different. We're not putting conference approval on it. We're putting and a home then a home group to the fellowship service conference approved this piece of material uh, for use in NA. Okay, that these NA home groups approve this here, and and then you have the choice to use it or not in your groups. We're not telling you you have to use it. We're letting you know it's your choice. You know, uh, these groups have approved this piece. They feel it's ready for approval, and uh, and now it's out there. Okay, you know. So we have a few pieces of literature that have been approved. We have the the five tools IP, and we got the third edition revised, basically, and the second edition. And the uh, you know the grade book to be used in groups, but it's still the group's yeah. choice to use them or not, or what part they may want to use in our mind because we don't mandate and dictate to them. We're not. Uh, we are still staying unorganized and allowing the groups that responsibility. That the groups ain't dictating to other groups. They're, the groups have the right to choose what they want to use that we're putting out instead. You know, and we're not here yeah. to be in in, in uh, conflict with these groups either. And I just want to clarify for people, it, it might not be super important, but in my mind it is. Uh, what we approved at the, the, what the groups approved at the Fellowship Service Conference was not the third edition we revised. It was the third edition revised provided it had the fourth and ninth traditions restored to their original uh, long body writing. Uh, basically the baby blue. Uh, without it, having, it doesn't even have to be called the baby blue, but in the motion it said the baby blue text will be defined as such, and it, it, it laid out. Those, and it always included, no matter which version was approved, it always included that original fourth and ninth tradition, which to me the whole point of the ninth tradition was to make clear that, that service bodies we create are not part of NA as such. It is prior to and apart from. And then any, any service structures we create have to be directly accountable. So even if you create a, a service structure that has administration within itself, like a chair and a co-chair, they still have to be directly accountable to those groups and subservient to them and are not delegated to make a, decisions for NA as such. Right. You're right. And that's important right there because that's exactly how it was approved. Okay. Uh, and that's important, but it was the groups that approved that. And uh, the groups want an approval of uh, what they can use. And, 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 and I know why. It's because of outside influences coming in and saying, that ain't approval. Yeah, it is. Here it is. Our group's approved it. Simple. All right. Uh, and, uh, but it still allowed the flexibility in what book they're using there. And we still, we still don't demand and dictate uh, because some groups want us to say, well, why are you allowing groups that use the fifth edition in your conference? Well, guess what? We're not here with that conflict, okay? That's not our conflict, okay? That book, no, is not approved by our groups as a whole, but their group wants to use it. We're not here to control that group either, okay? All right? Uh, that's their choice, and that's where it leaves that there within the group conscious to make decisions. And we feel if they come around our conference long enough, interact with our groups, they'll understand and they'll start to choose what we call uh, in, in a sense, traditionalist literature that's written by addicts for addicts that they'll start to choose and want to utilize that stuff. Okay, and uh, and I haven't seen uh, hardly any groups, and and I have not seen one group not do that yet. Okay, all right. We know yeah, we have right. we know we have meetings on our meeting list of people that actually joined us but never participate in the conference. Uh, you know, and I know some of them groups got boat literatures on their table yet, but we're not here to control them, okay? 
Uh, no, they're not going to give you. They're not going to give you a conflict when you walk in there with your baby blue or your gray book either. Though they're not going to beat you up for that. You know, <laughs> it's a testament to the fact that we are unorganized and that we don't have a service structure in the in the as is, uh, which is run through the fellowship service conference. That we don't have uh, a service structure that that is that that organizes NA as such or tells NA as such what to do. It's I don't agree with the sixth edition. My home group doesn't use it. The home group I belong to doesn't use it. I should say, but but the fact that we don't tell other groups what they can and can't use is a testament to the fact that we hold that tradition dear. That NA as such is not organized, and we can't tell those groups what to do. Nor would we try to. Okay, I think we covered this one pretty heavy. I think we we close up with one more question. It's real simple, okay? And it's question eleven. Any as such also also dissolve those service boards and service committees? And the answer is real simple: yes. I don't think there's any long debate on that one. It's yes. You set it up. You have the right to dissolve it, okay? And uh, it's important that each group knows they have the re. re uh, the right to dissolve something. Greg talked about I think we talked about it last week also. Greg talked about not having standing committees, that sometimes creating standing committees creates problems in the long run, that all committees should not be standing. They should be subcommittees of the groups and uh, are, are the body that the group set up. They should be subcommittees that should fulfill their task, and when their, when their task is fulfilled, they should be dissolved, and the group should take that responsibility and say, hey, we've done this at this point, and now we're done with this, and, and dissolve it, okay? I mean, the only true committees that I've seen uh, is within the groups just to do public information, but can the group members do that public information? Once the committee they set up sets up all the tools for them, can the groups do that public information? Or do they need a committee set up between groups uh, where they can participate? Or do you just need a coordinator to coordinate that stuff? A lot of times it's just a coordinator. You don't need a committee there, but a coordinator that communicates between all the groups on what public information stuff they have set up, when it's coming up, do they want to do it, here it is, okay? And turn it back to the groups instead. You know, uh, I think that works a lot better. And, uh, you know, it doesn't give tasks that are ongoing constantly, okay, you know, uh, where you have this committee structure that's empowered then, and that's where a lot of conflict comes in when they're standing, and they start saying, we know better than the groups. So do you want yeah. to dissolve that mentality sometimes? Yes, dissolve it. That's my input to that. Uh, you know, the only input I would have, when you have standing committees, you actually have, we have a World Service Conference, as you pointed out, wasn't even created by the groups. But when you have an area service committee or any committee, let's say, what usually happens is 10, 20 years after the fact, if that committee is still around, it was created often by a minority, well, almost in all cases, by a minority of the groups that currently participate, and sometimes the, the groups that created it aren't there at all. And, and to me it's a testament to the fact of, of why we should have, rather than area service committees and regional service committees, area service conferences. You have a conference where the groups come together and they can decide which temporary committees to to uh, establish, which temporary committees to dissolve, 
uh, you, there's a big difference between a conference and a committee, and actually the World Service Conference is not a conference. It's a, it's a committee at this point, and everything that feeds into it is area service committees, regional committees, regional committee members, and I'm talking the mainstream structure. It, it's, it's The World Service Conference is not a conference. It's a committee. Uh, we should set up conferences, not committees, and, and then your committees can be temporary. And even your conferences can be temporary. When the groups no longer participate in the conference, it simply goes away. But these permanent committees end up being uh, stuff that weren't even established by the current groups. So, of course, you have the right to dissolve something your group didn't, never signed off on. Anything, Eric? A good place. Anything, Eric? Is he there? Yeah, I'm here. I just had to hit on you. No, um, the only thing that uh, I was going to say about that one, tr the one question about the being unorganized and stuff, um, and I think you did hit it. Uh, how many times do we need to meet the needs of an addict that? You know, it, it's out of the ordinary, you know, um, and, and that's really, I, I've learned that tradition kind of somewhat goes towards that, you know, like like they talk about the unorganized. Um, we do have things organized, and uh, but there's going to be times where the spirit of God needs to move in a way that we didn't expect. We need to do things out of the ordinary sometimes to meet the needs at the time. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it goes back to that creative spirit in some ways of uh, being able to do that, you know, not having to be so um, rigid and uh, um, unflexible with certain things. So, but other than that, that's all I had to share. So, yeah. Okay. I love I love Jimmy. It all comes back to total creative freedom when we talk about services and and home group conscience. And I love that that total creative freedom, that total that that creative spirit you were talking about. Yeah, it's, that that creative freedom and it's such a beautiful thing, you know. So there we have it. Uh, question 11 is where it should be fairly easy to remember next week. We're a 12-step, 12, 12 tradition program. We'll start off with question 12 next week. Uh, anybody who wants to participate, uh, today is uh, November 4th, correct? Yep. <laughs> so, so the next one will be uh, November 11th. If you're listening to this present time, uh, if you want to participate live, will be November 11th, 2018. Uh, it will be 9 a.m. West Coast time, uh, 12 noon East Coast time. Uh, I'm in the mountain time zone, but uh, if you live in mountain or central, you can do the math. Also, if you live in the European time zones, uh, do the math from Eastern or, or Pacific time in the United States. Look up the time zones. Everybody's on the same uh, non-daylight savings as of today. So uh, 9 a.m. Pacific time, uh, 12 noon Eastern time. Uh, November 11th will be the next podcast. We want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank you, too, for being here and, and lending your experience, strength, and hope. Uh, and we'll pick up with question 12 on Tradition 9. Uh, and that's if you want to participate live uh, rather than just listen to these after the fact when they're posted. Uh, you've been listening to Autonomous Unity on the Solidarity with Autonomy Network. Thank you. You there?